From the Cervera Newsroom in sunny Miami, welcome to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. I'm your host, Omar DeWint. Let's get started. My people, I'm Omar DeWint, Communications Executive here at Cervera Real Estate. Joining me in the studio, six-time recipient of the South Florida Business Journal's Power Leaders in Real Estate, Alicia Cervera La Madrid. Alicia, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, Omar? Doing great. It's Friday, October 30th. We're winding down the month. Seems like faster than ever winding down the year. Yes, right? it is It is winding down. Um, yeah, it's been quite a month. I mean, it's, it's been a really exciting month. As you know, it's been crazy around here. Yeah. And it's nice to see the unbelievable activity. We've had a record month at Aston Martin. We've had a, a record month for 2020 and the post-COVID thing um, at uh, Nativo as well. And crazy activity with the general real estate side of the business. So I think it's a, it's a very good sign that, that things are really... Uh, starting to to come back and the business is is growing in spite of all of the continued precautions and the limitations in the marketplace. It just shows that uh, Miami is rocking and rolling and moving ahead and uh, success is is here, which is a beautiful thing in a year that at times has been so painful. So and speaking of rocking and rolling, I know that uh, you guys have had some in double digit sales. Is it at, at, at Aston at Nativo this month? Tell me about that excitement and that movement. Well, it's just great to see that people are back. So people that were sitting on the sidelines are coming back. They're moving in and saying, that's it, um, You know, we're tired of sitting on the sidelines, we're gonna pull the trigger and make decisions. So there's been some buyers that had been looking before the whole COVID shutdown that have come in and come to the finish line, and there's new buyers that are in the marketplace and getting very excited, of course, at Aston Martin. We're halfway through the construction cycle in terms of getting to the top off, which is a big uh, hallmark for that building, and we're actually building a second structural slab in the middle of the building, which is really interesting. Wow. They're going to be droning it, and it's going to be really cool because I think we're used to seeing those beautiful pictures of the original slab getting poured in buildings. But unlike other cities like Manhattan that have very, very tall buildings, this is kind of unique in Miami where you have a second pour midway through the structure to fortify the building. So that's what's going on in Aston now as you know we're starting to approach the, the, the second half of our construction and we're getting closer to completion. So I think people are seeing that and um, they're excited about it. And of course, we also have uh, the DBX, mm-hmm. which is going to be the, the launch of the new Aston Martin uh, SUV that they've decided to do the reveal inside oh. our sales gallery for all of North America. That's exciting. It's very exciting. And I think it's a testament to the success of the building that they've chosen our sales gallery to do that. So we're very, very excited about that. And uh, for the car lovers, it's going to be a great product to look forward to a long time coming. Absolutely. Well, it makes sense. I think, uh, you know, we talk a lot here about Miami being one of the top globally ranked destinations for the world's wealthy elite. This is the first time Aston Martin is doing a, a, a project like this. And uh, then it's Miami. So right. it's like, you know, a better place to host a launch like that. Yeah. So it's very cool. And I mean, they could have done it anywhere in the world. Obviously, they have showrooms all over the world. 
um, and in all over the Americas. So the fact that they uh, chose Miami and our sales gallery to do that is, is very, very exciting. So the, the car actually arrived in the United States um, this week. So we're, we're going to be having that reveal shortly. Amazing. I'm glad to hear it. And speaking of recovery, this uh, today's episode later in the show, we'll have a conversation with Teresa Kinney, president of the Miami Association of Realtors. She's going to talk to us all about the uh, data behind the recovery that we're experiencing, that you're seeing at, at the team at, at Aston and Ativo, and I think on the single family side, uh, um, uh, sorry, general real estate side, single family homes are, you know, hot, hot, hot. Um, so she's going to talk about where they're coming from, the trends, and also uh, what we love to talk about here uh, and in general in real estate is the rankings. So stay tuned for that on the second half of the show. Before we get into that, Alicia, as our new tradition uh, here, right, is um, for, for season three is the hot takes, the weekly hot takes. So I wanted to go through with you uh, a couple of the tough questions. Basically, every week for our listeners out there, just to recap, Alicia is going to answer the tough questions, what's on your mind, the big issues impacting realtors. There is no question she will shy away from. <laughs> so go ahead and submit them at MiamiRealEstatePodcast.com or, or um, send us a message on, uh, on social, and we'll make sure to address it on one of the upcoming episodes. But for this week, we have a couple questions for you, Alicia, and here we go. Sophia, listener from Key Biscayne, asks... Do you think that Miami uh, condominiums are still an op uh, a good opportunity or has it been affected by inflation? She says that some condos are currently a challenge uh, for uh, selling on the resale side. So I think that the condominiums are catching up quickly with the surge that the single family homes have had. So with the condos, it's still a buyer's market. We had a huge uptick in the Brickell market. There was uh, a lot of uh, chatter about that because the statistics came in really strong for October as well, um, tracing the sales. So I think that as the houses have been snapped up and the prices have gone up in the houses, uh, people are taking a harder look at the condominiums as well. And also as the traffic has started to come back, I, mm. I was shocked today at how intense the traffic was. I was kind of laughing, saying, okay, the good with the bad. <laughs> so the, it's all good that we're opening up again, but here comes the traffic. And it just reminds us of how nice it is to live in the urban core and the huge upside to living in a condominium. So you, you, you can just forget about your car, you're near where you wanna be, and you can usually get to work early uh, and, uh, and easily because you're living close to your workplace. And then at the end of the day, you can go home um, and just drop your stuff, chill for a second, or stop and have a drink and, and just be in the middle of it all. So I think that there is a very good opportunity for buyers right now to buy into the condo market. And I think that uh, sellers uh, are going to start um, seeing more offers coming their way. And that will result in a seller's marketing evolving soon. So if you're a buyer and you're sitting on the sidelines, uh, jump in. And if you're a seller and you need to sell, well, then you know what you have to do. And as I've been saying for a while now, um, in, in the condo market it's not a buyer's market or a seller's market it's a doer's market see so sellers are ready to do things because they have other options other ideas that they want to uh, do other things they want to invest in and buyers have a need to move in and buy a home so it's time to do it now in the single family home it's become a seller's market so you know you have to do in order to buy or to sell but we know that if you're going into the single family home you have to be more aggressive so if you're looking for that deal uh, I think in the condo space is where you're probably going to find it more easily. 
Okay, very well put. So second question here uh, for our hot takes this week is going to be election related, right? So everybody hold on to your seats. Don't worry, we're not getting political here. <laughs> um, but it is Friday, October 30th. As we mentioned, this episode will be out on Monday, which I think will put us at a day or two before uh, the actual the, the final the, the actual day of voting. Um, so the question here that we have actually anonymous listeners submitted this uh, with. So, Elisa, you've been you've seen many elections since you began your career in the 80s. I right? have. Um, in your experience, how do you see uh, the state of the real estate market in Miami and perhaps even nationally being impacted by the election, like as a whole, uh, based on the results of the election or would, would it impact it at all, regardless of, of who wins? Well, there's always impacts with elections, but I think the most important thing to remember is that elections come and go. The United States of America, the Constitution, the Republic stay. And that thing that has made this country an exceptionally strong country on every level is the fact that the structure of our, uh, of our government is so strong and that there are checks and balances and that um, that allows us to make uh, changes where changes are needed. But the changes are not radical. The changes are incremental so that it doesn't disrupt the entire economy or the entire country. So I think regardless of who wins, um, we're going to be okay. We're going to be fine. There are going to be shifts. Um, I think that Florida is going to do particularly well, not because of the election, but because Florida was already doing particularly well. So I think that uh, lots of places around the country have taken major hits as a result of COVID. Uh, Florida has been a beneficiary of that. And I don't think that that trend is gonna reverse. And the reason I don't think it's gonna reverse is because Florida didn't become popular because of COVID. It just accelerated people's desire to get here. They already wanted to be here and then COVID came and they said, well, what am I waiting for? My schools are closed, my offices are closed, my business is closed, my favorite restaurant is closed. This is the time to move. So since uh, the market wasn't created by COVID, it's not gonna slow down after COVID. And um, it wasn't created by the Republicans or the Democrats, it was created by the citizens from around the world, really, that identify an incredible place to live in Miami and Southeastern Florida and Florida in general and have brought their talent, both personal and their wealth, to create a magnificent city. And that is just accelerating because every year the city becomes more magnificent. So I think we're gonna be fine. Excellent, and then um, on that note, you made me think, is there, if you're a buyer though, or, or a seller, let's say, or even a realtor working with somebody, is there um, any reason to sort of sit on, a, on a, a sideline between now and the end of the year as there's a transition historically? Uh, does that ever happen or no? Not really because it's... Look, I think when there's change, there's an expectation of change. People tend to stop and wait for the change. But what I have found through my many, many years living in the United States, and I'm, I'm so lucky that I've been here since I was three years old, so I, I've witnessed my fair share of elections, is that elections don't create dramatic change in the United States of America. So there really isn't a dramatic change. Again, there's incremental changes. So elections do matter, presidents do matter, politics matters, you know, it all matters. But it's not going to all of a sudden blow up, sure. you know, and, and it doesn't blow up for the negative and it doesn't blow up for the positive. It just continues to move forward. And I think that's because our structure is so strong. 
It's not like you have some dictator coming in who throws out everything and starts from the beginning and all of the existing rules disappear and he makes up his own rules. That's not what happens in this country. It's incremental. The rules change slowly. They get modified to address the particular needs of the society at any given time. So I think that um, while intrinsically people tend to pause before an election, there's no real reason to do that in the United States. For the most part, things just carry on. Excellent. So this is the hot take with uh, Alicia Severa La Madrid. Alicia, before we pause uh, and go to the break, any other thoughts as we start a new week, a new month, and uh, wind down what will go down in the record books as probably one of the most challenging years in history? Um, yeah, you know, it, it, there's that saying that says if it doesn't kill you, it's going to make you stronger. And I do think that this year has made us all stronger. I hope that it's also made us kinder and um, that it's made us appreciate the little things in life that drop down to the human bottom line in such special, special ways. So um, I'm looking forward to, to bringing the glamour out. Today I went to a lunch and uh, we were celebrating the, the successful sales effort of one of our projects, Smart Brickle. And one of my salespeople bounced in looking like a million bucks. I mean, her hair was perfect and she just looked fabulous. And I said, wow. She says, I know. She says, I just decided to dress up today and make this an event. And I thought it was such a beautiful thing. So I hope that we all dress up and embrace the fact that every day is an event because we're here, we're moving ahead, and we're working and going towards a better place. And so I'm looking forward to, to more of that as we move forward and for our sporting events to come back and our theaters to open and our restaurants to open. But I'm also looking forward to just you know being able to hug my friends again and, um, and feel that warmth and that connection that comes when people do touch each other again. You and me both. All right, folks, you heard it. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's bring it back. After the break, our conversation with Teresa Kinney, president of the Miami Association of Realtors. You are listening to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your go-to source for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. We'll see you after the break. Welcome back, folks, and we are now joined by Teresa Kinney, president of the Miami Association of Realtors. She's here to talk to us about the state of the Miami real estate market. Teresa, thanks for being here. Great to be with you today. Teresa, recent data from the Miami Association of Realtors shows a strong uh, recovery, it points to a strong recovery for Miami real estate, uh, led by strong demand and strong market fundamentals. Can you elaborate a little bit uh, on that for us? I'm going to start out with how COVID-19 has accelerated trends such as migration from the high-tax, high-density, cold-weather states. And Miami members are all reporting a surge in interest from especially New Yorkers, but I'll also hit some of the other states as well. Moving to South Florida full-time, multiple national media outlets are reporting significant migration from these areas to Miami. So for example, we've got New York Times reported a surge in mail forward requests from New Yorkers fleeing COVID to South Florida. We ranked as the top metro outside of New York where New Yorkers were fleeing. And you know, they're not gonna send their mail anywhere that they aren't. Uh, Fox News reported on how COVID-19 migration boosts South Florida real estate, Bloomberg, Get New Yorkers flee for Florida. 
according to Realtor.com, Miami MSA is the top destination for New Yorkers. And Miami offers less expensive properties than almost any of the other metro areas in the US and in the world that these markets would be looking to go to. So we continue to attract buyers, investors, and businesses here from it within the US and worldwide. Um, I wanna to talk to you about who's coming here. So we've talked about New York. According to realtor.com, the top markets that are searching Miami real estate in their last report of the top 10, four were in the New York area, three were in Georgia. A lot of Miami people have moved to Georgia, so we may be getting a lot of Georgians back here. And then the three other markets that were single uh, digits were LA, Chicago, and Houston. So that's who's looking at us from here in the United States. The top countries, according to Realtor.com, are Canada has been number one for the last few months, and that's not where it was before. So that's very interesting. Then we have Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, UK, Mexico, Germany, Dominican Republic, Norway, and France in that order. Then we look at the top 10 states and countries visiting our MiamiRealtors.com website, which includes market data, uh, market news, uh, MLS search, all of those things. And it's pretty much the same states that I mentioned to you above, but Iowa actually comes in along with Wyoming, even though they can't be big population states, and Virginia and Washington, I mentioned, was one of our top ones before, and North Carolina. When, I talk, when we talk about countries that are visiting us, it's the ones that I mentioned, plus Venezuela, which is always one of our top, Spain, and India. It gives you an idea of who's looking at us, who's reading about Miami real estate, who's searching our properties. You know, it's always surprising to me, Teresa, that through the years as we've spoken, the reach of Miami continues to expand uh, in, in, in great part to the tremendous effort that you've done leading the, the Miami Board of Realtors as a, such a fantastic ambassador traveling the world. But uh, it really has uh, paid handfully, you know, and, and grandly uh, the investment as we see that the city has continued to grow and continue to bloom and attract people from more and more markets. Uh, not only abroad, but feeder markets. Very interesting to me that some of the local markets that you mentioned um, are not particularly tax burdened. Case in point, you know, Houston with uh, Texas has uh, no state tax either as, as, I, as I think of it. Um, so that's surprising that it's not just the taxes that are driving people to look at Miami, but all of the other fantastic things that, that we offer. So let's talk why Miami some more, and specifically the attraction to live, work, and play here. Teresa, I know that Realtors does a fabulous job led by you in showcasing a variety of these uh, national and global rankings uh, where Miami leads the charts. Uh, some of them I know may be a little surprising to our audience, but can you share with us some of uh, your favorites uh, uh, today? I'll hit a few of these very briefly, but when I do the presentations for the chambers of commerce and business organizations. There's one on each one and it's a visual as well as the ranking. And uh, cameras are flashing everywhere um, because they want to, they want to keep um, these stats so that they can use them. 
So we have a lot of different stats and it's where Miami ranks in the United States and sometimes in the entire world. So I'm just gonna hit a few of them for you. Miami is number one ranked as the top five fastest growing cities in Florida and Fort Lauderdale for those listeners in Broward ranks number four. So two in the top five, it's pretty amazing. Miami is one of the 10 most exciting cities in the world. Um, I, we see that, but uh, it, it definitely is true. Downtown Miami has the highest concentration of cultural institutions in the entire Southeast. Miami is ranked number 10 for best nightlife destination in the world. That's a lot of competition out there for that. Uh, Florida ranks in the top five states for millennial millionaires. So I'll have to go take a look at that list and see how many millennial millionaires we have. 51% um, of our population is foreign born. Miami leads the US in foreign born home ownership rate at 26%. Foreign born workers make up almost 40% of Miami's creative class, tech, media, art, and design. And that's really important because a quarter of all startups are founded by immigrants and almost half of all of the Fortune 500 companies are founded by immigrants and their children. So we're on the leading edge of all of that. Then I like this one. Miami is the number three most influential art city in the entire world. And obviously Art Basel has a lot to do with that. Miami is the most visual city in America. The Miami metro area competes with New York, San Francisco, and LA as a top globalized city. Miami Beach ranked number 10 among the 10 best cities for science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM. Miami ranked number six in the US for most friendly, I'm sorry, tax friendly, major city in the entire US. We have zero state income tax, zero local income tax. And as you mentioned, Houston does also, and they're still looking at us. So it's a lot of the package of how we are so different or how we stand out or how we're ranked um, in the rest of the US and the world. We're ranked number two among global cities to buy a luxury home in 2020. According to Knight Frank, we rank as the fifth most walkable city in the United States according to this year's 2020 walk score rankings. We rank among the fittest cities in the US. And the first time that came across, I made him show me where the ranking was because of all of our Cuban food and you know, all the other stuff we've got, but it was Bloomberg. Oh, interesting. So we can trust it. <laughs> it's the being outdoors, all of the sports that we have, all of the exercise, the walking, jogging, you know, all of that. Um, we have so many rankings uh, for the top in education at all levels that I didn't even start detailing them. This I thought was interesting. We rank number one in the U.S. where mortgage payments are cheaper than rent. We rank number one in the U.S. as the best city for Generation X home buyers and number three for baby boomers. We rank among the 10 top 10 greenest neighborhoods in Florida. We rank number 14 in the entire United States in green building adoption. And finally, leading into the rest of the program, we ranked 
among the top 10 most recovered housing markets since the start of 2019 by Realtor.com. Wow. So big round of applause to you, the association, and of course, Miami. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot to love. And as you've pointed out here, it makes it all the more clear why the Magic City has experienced uh, such a strong recovery. So Speaking of recovery and your last point there, can you talk to us a little bit more about how that's played out and uh, more so the contributing factors? Okay, so um, we started out the first three months of this year ahead of last year. And so we were expecting a new record year until the pandemic hit. And so obviously we took a strong hit on that at the very beginning, but we have since recovered from that, and as um, we were talking earlier, we're up 23% in single family sales since that point in March, where we were already at a peak. And so we have for single family closed sales, the highest number in five years and the third highest number in 10 years. Then we go to condos. Market is not as strong for condos, but we've just hit the highest closed condo sales since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, since March 2020. In addition to that, we go to inventory and single family inventory is the lowest in 10 plus years, which is a good thing. And for single family, we actually have four months of supply right now. Um, Seller's market, again, lowest in 10 years. For condos and townhomes, it's the lowest inventory in four years. And so while we have 14 months supply, it still is a really strong market and sales are going well. In our, in our total numbers compared to last year, we are over almost everything at this point uh, from last year. So realtors have been busy out there. Buyers want to buy, sellers want to sell. And uh, it's a good thing. As Realtor.com said, we were the one of the top to come out of Um, the pandemic uh, and into recovery. So Alicia, you've said before, it's not a buyer's market. It's not a seller's market. It's a doer's market. I think based on what Teresa just told us, there's a lot of doing going on. So that's that's some good news. Now, when we were here back in March at the beginning of the pandemic, so to speak, at least in the context of it impacting Miami real estate, severely, I asked you, what do you think COVID-19 means for Miami real estate? Are we looking at another 2008 recession or something else? And at that time, if you recall, I'm sure you do, you said that we were actually looking at something more along the lines of what happened post the 9-11 tragedy, the tragic events of 9-11, and where there was an unexpected event, uh, hit us like a ton of bricks, there was a big pause, and then... uh, Sooner than later, there was a, a quick recovery. I think, uh, well, now based on what Teresa's just told us, how does your assessment stand today in your eyes? Well, I, I think we're seeing exactly that, right? What some people predicted would be a long, you know, long, painful slug out of this has in fact not been that way because I kept saying, look, the fundamentals that made people want to come to Miami, but for the pandemic are all still here. So we'll get through this pandemic, and when we get through this pandemic, we're going to find pent-up demand. And um, even at the beginning, uh, Miami was performing well in in great measure because Miami was so particularly well-prepared for any kind of medical emergency because of our hospital capacity. Since we're a city that uh, has huge uh, medical tourism, 
we have an overcapacity of hospitals and hospital beds and medical professionals that are not really intended to only care for Miamians or, for, or, or the local population, but rather a much more expansive population. So when travel gets shut down, our uh, medical facilities were robust. And as gratefully uh, we, we went through this, we never had to activate the backup hospital facilities that were set up because the existing actual hospitals and medical facilities were enough to take care of it. So that helped us. And of course, as we found out more about this horrible virus and we found out that being outside was a plus, uh, that clean air was a big plus, we're between two national parks. So the air just kept flowing back and forth between the Everglades and Biscayne Bay, cleaning everything up beautiful thing. So um, as, as I often remind people, we have the advantage of being a new city, which means new infrastructure. So when you go on our, on our public transportation, you're not going into a hole right. with recirculated air. You're walking up to a platform. Every time the doors open, fresh air comes in and you're in the sunlight and you can jump out whenever you want. If it's too crowded, no problem. Step out. You're on a platform. You're out. So we had a lot of advantages coming into this and just the way we live and, and socialize, even with our Cuban food. We get to walk around and work off those calories and uh, go from spot to spot. So I think that, in fact, what, uh, what I thought would happen, gratefully, has happened. And uh, we're going to continue to see absorption. And our prices, in fact, have held and gone up in some cases. Certainly at the top of the market is explosive what's happening. You know, uh, houses that were already very, very pricey in the 10, 15 million dollars were all of a sudden 20, 25, 30, and name your price. And we, we can see that demand, even now, more pressure. Why? Because of the short-term rental demand that we're having. Uh, the other day I was talking to one of my agents. She had a budget of $150,000 a month for a short-term rental, four to five months, she could not find anything. It's incredible. I said, you know, I would start calling your friends who have fantastic houses because $150,000 a month, I'm packing. <laughs> they could have my house. You know? It's amazing what's happening, but it's not a one-off. Uh, you know, we now are looking for another client whose budget is between forty dollars and $70,000 a month, and they want a rental between November and March. Nothing available. So it's really, really amazing how this very, very elite, economically successful mega wealth is looking at Miami and how we know that we had a shortage of that kind of inventory because Miami was turning into a richer and richer city faster than we could build it. But now all of a sudden, the demand is here. And we all know what happens when someone comes to Miami and spends five, six months here. They just don't want to leave. So we have to be prepared to then turn these short-term rentals into full-time residents. And I think it's a, a very exciting time for people that work in that space, for luxury home builders, for uh, people that are developing new projects, to see how we create inventory for this ultra wealth, which is not only moving here to, to spend a, good, a few months, but they're moving their families. And very important for the rest of the population, they're moving their businesses. And with those businesses come spectacular jobs and great opportunity to grow with wonderful salaries. So when we hear the reports from the Downtown Development Authority, which is at the forefront of kind of being an outreach for these people in a welcoming wagon, and you see the tech companies that are moving here, the financial companies that are moving here. And one of the things that I know, Teresa, you will love as much as I do, that we went from a talent-deprived city into a city that has spectacular talent 
And that in great part is because of our um, educational institutions and the quality of life here that young people now want to come home to Miami or actually move here from other states. So it's really uh, turned into a, a perfect scenario where we are attracting the businesses, we're attracting the talent, and we have a beautiful, livable city that is one of the most fun cities in the world, which is it's good for all ages, but especially attractive for the younger populations. So it's, it's really all coming together very nicely. Um, so Alicia, the single family sales are just off the charts. Yes. And, and inventory is down, so we need more single family listings. Um, but what about the condos? So the condos are trailing that um, because of the, I'm going to call it the cooped up effect of people being trapped in their homes. A lot of people were thinking that the solution was to have a bigger home and a yard and all of that. And um, as we know, for those of us who have lived in Miami for more than a minute, we have something called traffic in our city, but not during the pandemic. <laughs> so part of me has been quietly watching all these people move to the city and looking for homes. And they're, you know, they're buying these homes and they're saying, but it takes me three minutes to get anywhere. And I'm looking at them saying, this may change, you know? <laughs> so I, but the, the joke that I have going with a lot of my um, coworkers that, that concentrate more on homes, as you know, we concentrate on, on condominiums. And of course, we also have, a, have an important home sales division. But I tell them, I said, look, it's very easy. Either you wanna prepare for a pandemic that will come every hundred years and quarantine when it comes, or you wanna quarantine every day in your car for three to four hours when you're coming and going from work. It's up to you. <laughs> So I, I think that that shift will happen naturally. And people like different lifestyles. For, for people who are urbanites, who like coming home, dropping the keys, going back down, going to for have a drink or going for a walk, and they like that feeling of being on a street that's vibrant and filled with people and a real sense of community and not worrying about driving to a heat game or, or driving to, to a show, but rather want to live in the middle of it all, you can't do that in the suburbs. You can't do that in, uh, as you pull out of the city. So that condominium lifestyle is a wonderful alternative for those people. And we're seeing that happen already in some of the, the high-end buildings that have been finished. Uh, a Thousand Museum is a, a good example of that, the Saha Hadid building, which has very luxurious standing inventory. And that inventory was a bit ahead of its time because of the square footage and et cetera. And now we see that the inventory is being absorbed very nicely. And it's an exciting asset for our city. It has a helipad, which <laughs> when I met with the developers way back when, I said, you should put a helipad on your building and there it is. And so it's providing this certain reach. The other day I was talking to a customer that was thinking of moving here from LA and we were talking about lifestyle and the beach versus the city. And I said, you know, the beach is great when you're on vacation and everything else, but let me tell you how we do it in the city. When we go to the beach in the city, we jump on our boat, we go to a sandbar, we go to the Bahamas. You know, you could be there in a go fest in 45 minutes. And his jaw just dropped. He said, 45 minutes to the Bahamas? I said, yes, but then the friend that was with him, he says, no. He says, you'll jump on your helicopter, it's 15 minutes. <laughs> and I thought, well, there we go. Our little Miami has evolved. And I'm sitting there, yep. And I go, and it's so easy because you could take off from the top of your building. And Aston Martin, we also have a helipad that's up there for anybody who wants to buy our beautiful penthouse. It's available and just that easy. 15 minutes later, you're in a private island in the Bahamas or you're in Nassau in about 20 minutes and then you can do whatever you want at the best casinos in the world. So it's a really interesting 
transformation that we've seen about this city that we all thought about and dreamed about and worked so hard to get there, and here we are. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful time. It's a wonderful time to be in Miami. And as this pandemic um, you know, is in our rearview mirror, hopefully very, very soon, it will be a, a, a foggy memory of everything that we've gone through. We will keep some lessons. We are being smarter about the technology that's being introduced into our buildings. We're putting in unbelievable filtration systems. We're um, creating spaces that are more readily available to have full circulation of air. We're doing more touchless things, more you know, contact-free environments that are set up for more social distancing. And I think overall, forget the pandemic for a second, it's gonna make us healthier just fighting the common cold. So I think that we're gonna come out of this as we've come out of so many things in Miami, healthier, smarter, and, and better. That should be put in a capsule somewhere so that people can just play that recording again. Right. You know, we came out of the, uh, the last recession faster and stronger than experts predicted. Some were saying, you know, from our overbuilt condos, it was going to take 20 years, you know, to sell all of them, and none of that happened. And, you know, it's um, Miami changes so fast and is so resilient. You know, people say, if you don't like something that's going on now, wait a few months and it'll right. be different. And, and that's also such a credit to all of the, the realtors and all of the people who have chosen to live here and our elected officials. It's, I, I'm so proud of our 50,000 Miami realtors, or most of them. Uh, you know, who've done such a good job with taking care of real estate and each other and being careful and, uh, you know, helping to keep things moving. It's been really good, but carefully. Yeah, I, I agree. And thanks to, to the Miami board and the Florida board for having real estate uh, declared an essential service so that we could all stay in business and, uh, and provide that service for all the people that were in fact trying to come down to Miami and move here. And uh, I think it's particularly important when our hotel industry was forced to shut down because then people couldn't just come in and check into a hotel. They needed places to stay and it became all the more urgent. It's kind of a, an interesting phenomenon that's happening anyway with that hybrid development of, uh, I call them the, the Uber of living, where you can buy an apartment, live in the apartment, rent the apartment, maximize the flexibility and the use, which I think keeps our city young, it keeps it relevant, and it keeps it affordable because it allows people to have options when they're looking for a place to live. So I, I, again, um, out of trials it come creativity to get through those trials. And this has been a trial for, for all of us. And um, certainly with your leadership and the boards and stepping up so quickly and getting so many virtual tools for us and, um, and our industry really coming together, as I say, we always do. Because um, we are certainly competitive in Miami but we're more complementary than competitive. We complement each other, and we really, as an industry, work together to elevate the entire platform and, and deliver a, the message of a city that's inclusive, progressive, and welcoming. And uh, we're at the forefront of that in this industry, and thanks to your great leadership um, in the world. That's true, and you know, of all the actions in the first month in particular, we had a team of four of our top executives working on uh, keeping the latest information on our um, web website and sending out the latest information to everyone. And with 
43 municipalities or whatever the current number is in Miami-Dade, plus Broward, plus our, our Jupiter to Questerhope sound area, it was like crazy. And just as soon as we'd get one ready, somebody would issue one of those last minute changes and they were always near midnight. And so we had to work to get all that information out so that the, the members could know what they could do, what they couldn't do. And as you say, um, we when the first rules came out, immediately we were able to identify two different places in the rules that said we could fit under those to say that real estate is essential. And then we started working with the governor's office and actually got real estate declared essential for the whole state of Florida. And then we worked on some things like you and I were talking about where people's licenses were, were about to expire at the end of March. And so we were able to get work done with the Florida real estate commissioners and we got that extended three times. And then people still needed to do continuing ed, which could not be done remotely. So we worked with Breck again and were able to get our last extension, latest extension, just this week, which will take us to December 31st. And then we were working on all of the virtual uh, tools and resources for our members, and we launched four new ones, some tied to existing programs, which were amazing. Now, we could have launched those before, and the adoption rate would have been a fourth of what the adoption rate was during this time because it was a necessity. It was needed during, during this particular market, you know, which has, uh, which has really been amazing. So we have been so happy to be a part of all of that and to see how realtors have stepped up and how the market has been able to come back so quickly is just absolutely amazing. And we're ready for it to continue on. Which is, which is just wonderful. So Teresa, now if we move forward and, um, and see how we're gonna get past this and, and go back to, to uh, business better, if you will, because I don't think uh, we're ever gonna lose the skills that we've acquired during this time and the technology that we've acquired um, a lot of it is just great time-saving skills. You know, that the fact that you can have a meeting and not have to drive an hour to get to that meeting is a wonderful thing. It's good for our environment. It's, it's good for our nervous system, for our environment, and, and for everything, right? It's, it's helpful and it allows you to be more productive. On the other hand, as we were saying before we started, real estate is a people business. You know, I know that our offices are open. We're getting more traffic in the offices. Of course, you know, we've got our, our masks on. We're social distancing. Our, you know, I, I can't buy enough hand cream for all the times I wash my hands. <laughs> so we're doing all of the things that we need to do. But um, we also are looking forward to getting, you know, past this and having some of the, the excitement that our city has to offer. And I was delighted to hear that the finals of the college football is still scheduled to happen in Miami. I don't know if you're following that, but it's going to be in downtown and they plan on moving forward with the games. So we are gonna have those finals in Miami and that I think it's, it's uh, I'm sitting December, January, I think it's, it's maybe- late December. Late December, yeah. January. Are you coming into the first week of January. Yeah, and so I think it's gonna be like one of the first major events. So we're excited to see some of that come back to our city and um, as we get more used to 
doing things that in the beginning were so, you know, you'd run out of the house and you maybe forgot your mask and then you'd have to double back. Now it's just, you know, part, it's one in every purse kind of thing. So um, I think that there's some exciting things like that. So tell us how you're seeing the future and when you think that uh, you'll be calling me and saying, you know, when are you going to come speak at this? Or can we have a cocktail reception, you know, at uh, Nativo or back at Aston Martin? Or when do you think some of that is going to start happening? I think when they have the vaccine out and people are comfortable with it, we'll be getting back to the bigger events. Um, some of our leaders who were just elected for 2021 are wanting to start getting together um, in person to get to know each other and to start planning for uh, what to do while we still have the, the distance um, uh, issues and for when we're able to be back live and around people. Um, we do our inaugural in uh, February each year. And so we're still not giving up on doing a, an in-person inaugural in February. We'll have to see how that goes. But um, the great news is that the, the market is on a roll, has been on a roll, and will continue to be. And as more and more people get comfortable with traveling and looking at where their next location is going to be. They're coming to us and, um, and we're giving them every reason to find every property they could possibly want through virtual tours and all of the other resources. So the real estate market um, is, is expected to continue strong and go even stronger, uh, which is a great thing. Um, for the, um, the in-person events, that will depend on when people are ready for it. Um, we had one person say um, that, that they wanted us to start doing the in-person seminars, but some of my counterparts are saying the instructors don't want to do them. Right. They aren't ready to come back in to do those in front of classrooms yet. And the other thing is with social distancing, um, it's, it's hard even in our largest classrooms to get more than 20 people in there and have them six feet apart. And so we're going to continue on the way we are right now with um, making the education um, complete, varied, flexible, and available to everybody, whether they're on the Zoom live or, or view it later until we can start putting classes uh, in place. And the members are the biggest indicator of when we can do that. Right. Um, there's no point in us doing it if they're not ready to come back. Hundred percent. I think you know my my uh, philosophy during all this time is that you know we I have to meet people where they are, and they have to be willing to do the same for me. So um, on that note, I'm gonna leave you with an invitation to come meet me <laughs> down in the Brickell downtown area. Uh, our restaurants are opening, and uh, I'm very committed to helping them succeed and continue to succeed. So if you're up for it, come on down, have lunch, or a drink, or both and um, and uh, see that uh, that things are functioning pretty well. For people that haven't gotten out yet, um, and if you're comfortable doing that and, and you don't have any health issues to not be do doing it, I think you'll be satisfied that our businesses are following the guidelines, that they are social distancing, that they are you know following the rules, people are masked up, plenty of hand sanitizer, et cetera. And um, it can be a lovely experience. So I encourage people to tiptoe out at their comfort level uh, carefully and respectfully of uh, where everybody's at. 
but uh, let's get our city going. We have so much to offer. I would love to. And I always learn so much after our luncheons. <laughs> Likewise, <laughs> they're, they're fun. And we're both foodies. So there's some good food waiting. And I'm fed up of eating my own food because I'm just not that good a cook, you know. <laughs> So, Teresa, then, as we close this out um, and we watch a continued recovery with optimism for many good things to come in the future, what is your message uh, to our, our realtors out there and um, what should they be looking out for? And uh, what, what, what are the positive words from Teresa? For the realtors, they need to take advantage of all of these free services that are available for them. We have, we have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in bringing the education to them at no cost during this pandemic, even six or seven designation programs where we paid their designation or certification fee for them. In addition to that, all these new programs, um, one of the brokers told me that what he heard from his agents was they had no idea that all of these programs were so easy to learn and now they had time. So realtors get in there when you don't have a showing, get in there and learn a new program and uh, get set up for all the business to come. Alicia, over to you. Um, I'd say get out and embrace our city. Uh, be safe, be careful, but also don't be afraid to tap into your adventure side. And you're going to find that our city is uh, so uh, easy to move around these days. You can get reservations at all your favorite restaurants. There's a lot of advantages to be an early adapter. Uh, do it cautiously. We certainly don't want to go backwards, but it's a very exciting time in the city. Enjoy it and uh, embrace uh, what's left of the year and the great things to happen ahead. I love it. We're going to leave it there, ladies and gentlemen. Teresa, once again, thank you for being here. This was a conversation with Teresa Kinney, president of the Miami Association of Realtors. Always love to have you here on the Miami Real Estate Podcast. We hope you'll come back soon. Alicia, thanks for being here as our co-host. And uh, for all of you out there, remember, here in Miami, the future is always bright. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.